Speech can be used for good or for evil. It has the power to connect or cause social upheaval. We have lots of potential, but we're not born perfect. Quarantine gives a person the needed time to reflect. Okay, so this week we have a double Parsha, the Parsha of Tazria and Mitzora. So Parsha Tazria begins by talking about the laws of purity and impurity with a woman giving birth. And before we get into the Parsha, it's an interesting question that last week's Parsha dealt with the kashrut of different animals, whether different animals were kosher or not, and the Parsha also talked about when animals die, whether and what's the process for those animals um, causing impurity. So there's a question that, you know, the Torah is uh, made for human beings. It's people that are reading the Torah. So why is it that the Torah doesn't just jump to, jump to the chase, get to the chase right away by talking about um, people and the impurity and purity that people go through? For example, the Parsha should have started, um, the, the whole topic of purity and impurity should have started by talking about the woman giving birth, not um, not about, you know, not about animals, because Again, the Torah is for people. So why is it that the Torah begins by talking about animals? Perhaps one of the reasons is because, you know, in um, in Bereshit, in the, the times of creation, you know, the animals, they came before people. Um, and the, 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 the animals were there first. And in fact, um, it, it says that when Adam, Harishon, when uh, Adam, the, the first person, Whenever he got too haughty, whenever he had too much gaiva, too much, too, too, too haughty, he thought, he thought too much of himself, um, Hashem would tell him, Yitush Kedamcha, a Yitush, which is like a little mosquito, a little bug, came before you. And in fact, Rabbi Wolby said, perhaps Yitush even means a virus, uh, that uh, even something like the coronavirus, it came before us, and that should give us a certain amount of humility. And uh, I think the Torah is coming to teach us here also that the reason why the Torah leads with the purity and impurity of animals first is because ultimately the animals were here before human beings. And, you know, human beings are just one little speck on the, um, you know, in the entire grand scheme of the, uh, of the globe. And um, it's important that we recognize and it gives us some humility that, yes, it's true, even though the Jewish people are am kadosh, you know, a... Um, a holy, sanctified people. At the end of the day, we've, we, we also came after everybody else. And it's important that uh, the Torah makes sure that we recognize that first it deals with the laws of animals because they came first, and then it deals with the laws of, of human beings because we came after them. Um, so moving on uh, to, to actually getting into the meat of uh, the beginning of the Parsha. So it's dealing with um, a Jewish woman that, that gives birth and becomes tummy, becomes impure. So what's surprising is the fact that human life begins with tuma, begins with, with this impurity. And in fact, you know, a, a baby boy is, bur- is born uncircumcised, is born not, not totally perfect. And uh, to, to add on to the similar, that general idea, um, the, the Gemara talks about a person um, does not have a yetzer tov, does not have a, a good inclination. 
can't, it isn't capable of doing good things until they're 13 years old, until they've already had their bar mitzvah. They don't have a drive to do good things until they're 13. Um, so, you know, why is it exactly that the human life starts off with impurity? Again, the, the woman that gives birth is impure for a week or two. And similarly, um, you know, the baby's born uncircumcised and you don't even have a Yates or Tove until um, the, you know, until your 13th year of life. Why is it that life kind of starts out so rough, so to speak? Perhaps, you know, one of the reasons is because human beings have, especially the Jewish people, have tremendous amount of potential. But the reality is that potential starts at a low place, that anything that's truly good, anything that's really has a lot of potential, that's really worth doing, is hard, is difficult, is doesn't always look as good as it appears at first, you know. Uh, and I think that's the case here with, with human beings. We shouldn't just think that we're born perfect. We don't have to work on ourselves. No, in fact, if anything, you know, we're born tummy. We're born impure. We are born uncircumcised. We're born without a Yitzhar Tov, you know. And all those things we have to develop, all those things we have to constantly be working on ourselves. And, um, you know, we should almost have a general assumption that we're, you know, we, we were born bad or impure, so to speak. And it takes a life work to overcome that. And in fact, that's maybe it's precisely because that we were sort of we started our lives off impure. We started our lives off uncircumcised, etc., that we can um, grow to even greater heights. You know, an animal, an animal that gives birth does not become tummy, but a human being does. Um, and perhaps that's because the human being has even more potential for accomplishing great things. So the human being kind of starts off at a lower spot because, you know, in order to jump, you have to, you have to bend down a little bit to, to really get the maximum jump. And same is true here that this life starts out not so perfect and, you know, not so pure, not you start out uncircumcised, etc. without a Yitzhar Tov. But all those things can be overcome. And it's precisely because of that rough start that you can really shoot yourself up uh, to, to even greater heights. Now, moving on um, in the Parsha. So this Parsha deals quite a bit with Saras, which is like a spiritual um, disease, and um, what's interesting is when the Torah mentions someone with saras, it calls them an Adam. Um, and there's a lot of different words for a person. Um, in in uh, an Ish, for example, uh, uh, lots of different names for a person in um, in Hebrew. And one of the one of the terms is Adam. And um, Chazal say that the the Commentaries say that that whenever the Torah uses the word Adam, it means some kind of uh, it's it's a distinguished name. It's a name of honor when the Torah uses the word Adam. So why exactly is the word Adam being used to describe someone that has this spiritual disease, this saras? You know why is a uh, a word that that is honorable being used for someone that has this disease? Perhaps one of the uh, the reason is because. Um, they, when it mentions a person that had saras, it mentions them in the context of them looking for help. And it doesn't just say they have saras. It says it, it, right away it begins with when a person has saras and they go to see the Kohen to, to address it. And that is an honorable thing. 
Sure, it's true that saras is the spiritual disease that you get from, you know, possibly speaking Lushan Hora, speaking evil speech, but but um but a person that is working on themselves, a person that recognizes their problems and is looking to change, that is such an honorable person that they're called an Adam. You know, and, and uh, another thing to note is the Torah talks quite a bit about saras, the spiritual disease, but it doesn't mention at all exactly how a person gets saras. Um, you know, what is it that causes saras? And not until, you know, the commentaries do they say that saras could possibly be called, be caused from um, lush and horror, from evil talk. Um, but uh, we, we don't see that in the Torah. And perhaps one of the reasons, again, is the same idea that the person that had saras is immediately looking for help. It was immediately looking of how to improve themselves. So almost what caused it is secondary to the fact that they're there to improve themselves. You know, regardless of, you know, what skeletons you have in the in the closet, so to speak, if you're looking to improve yourself, then those those things in the closet kind of, to a certain extent, become irrelevant and what really matters is the fact that you're there trying to improve yourself. And, and that's maybe why the Torah honors this, this person that has Saras by calling them an Adam, this honorable name, because they're there to help themselves. So, you know, it, it's a question, why is it that we don't have Saras today? Why don't we have this spiritual disease today? So I heard, you know, a nice idea here that um, one of the, that, that a reason is because, um, you know, we're not quite at the same level of spiritual heights that we were in the time of the Torah. So, and you could, it's comparable to the, to an idea that a person that has, you know, a stain on, um, on a, their sweatpants, it's no big deal. You have a little stain on your sweatpants. Usually you can't even, you can't even tell if you have a stain on your sweatpants because it just blends right into all the other stains. No big deal, you know, no, nobody's going to see it. It's not a problem if you have a stain on your sweatpants. You're on Zoom, you know, all day anyways. Who cares if you have uh, a stain on, on um, you know, some uh, old pair of sweatpants. However, if a person has a stain, you know, on a tuxedo, all of a sudden it stands out. It's so obvious. It's, uh, it's um, you know, it looks it looks terrible. And... That's kind of what's going on here, perhaps, with Saras, that today we're not quite, today it's like we're, we're living with that stained pair of sweatpants. We're not quite at that same level of spiritual height to, to be able to notice Saras, because everybody's kind of wearing spiritual sweatpants, so to speak. But in the times of the Torah, they were wearing these tuxedos, if you will, um, of, of spiritual tuxedos, and, and anything, any stain, any blemish that showed up on the tuxedo was so obvious any any uh, spiritual malady was so obvious that they had to address it. You know, um, we're we're in the times of the Omer now, counting of the Omer, and the there's a certain mourning period that happens um, during the Omer for to 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 mourn to grieve over Rabbi Akiva's students, his twelve thousand pairs of students, twenty four thousand, sorry, uh, twenty four hundred students, or no, twenty four thousand students. Um, combined. And they, all of those students died. And the reason the Gemara gives for why Rabbi Akiva's 24,000 students died is because they weren't treating each other with respect. You know, and for us, that seems like an absolute unbelievable way that a person would die. There's no way that would happen today. And I think the same is true, that it's true that that reason would never happen today, that a person would die from, you know, not respecting one another. 
But it is important to notice that, you know, in those times, in Rabbi Akiva's times, it's like they were, again, wearing those spiritual tuxedos. They were at, at a level that was so exalted that even a slight blemish in their character, a slight uh, mark on their character for not treating each other with respect, that was enough to cause them um, to to have, you know, uh, to, 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 to perish from not treating each other with respect. So too, these, these people during the times of the Torah would get saras just by speaking Lashon Hora, even though that's like incomprehensible uh, for us today. So moving on in the Parsha, um, the, the telltale sign for, um, for tsaras is when the affliction, when, when, the, when the tsaras changes to white, when you have hairs that turn white, that's a sign um, that you have tsaras. So what's fascinating, why is the color white chosen to indicate saras? And, you know, because on, on its face, the color white is kind of like the sign of newness, of perfection. You know, you wear it on, you wear a kittel, you wear a white clothing on Yom Kippur to indicate that you're new, that you're fresh, that you're starting, you know, you're starting the year out on a totally pure uh, note. White is kind of the, the color of perfection, of newness. So why is it that this color white of perfection is being used for this terrible spiritual disease of tsaras? Why did they, why did Hashem decide to pick the color white? So perhaps a reason is because you know tsaras is said to be caused from speaking lashon hora, from speaking evil speech about other people, um, from from gossiping, uh, for lack of a better term. So you know um, when you're speaking. Um, negatively about someone, you think that you're better than them. You know, you, you're speaking that uh, you're better than somebody else. And in a certain way, you're saying like you're whiter than the other person. You're, 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 you're more pure, you're more perfect, et cetera, et cetera, than the other person is. And perhaps that's why this um, saras is, the, the, the symbol of it is turning white because uh, a person that is speaking evil about somebody else. They think they're better than everyone else. And as a result, they're the ones that turn white. They're saying, you think you're better than everyone else? Hashem is saying, well, I'll turn you white to show you that, uh, you know, even if it's true that you might be better than someone else in a certain area, that's not something that you should go and, and brag about and tell everybody else that you're better than uh, the other person. Um, so an another reason why the color white you know, Hashem chose the color white to indicate saras, is perhaps because when you're speaking evil about someone, um, you can embarrass you can embarrass a person so much that they turn white, they turn totally pale, um, to, for from what you said, and it just in pure embarrassment. And as a result, that's such a terrible feeling to feel that level of embarrassment that you turn white. That the person that speaks those terrible words, they themselves turn white. They themselves feel as if, you know, they, they lost all the blood in their face. Um, and that's why, uh, perhaps a second reason why you would turn white um, when Tsaras occurs. So, you know, uh, uh, again, talking about the signs of, um, of Tsaras, Rashi mentions that you only need to have two hairs that have to turn right that, that have to turn white to indicate that uh, you have tsaras. Only, only two hairs on your entire body, only two hairs have to be white. 
So it's such a small, insignificant number of, you know, indication. Why is it that only a mere two hairs, you know, that's all it takes? It should be a bigger sign than that. So I heard a nice idea here that, again, um, that Saras is caused that is caused by Lashon Hara, uh, Lashon Hara, by evil speech. And, you know, when someone speaks um, negatively about someone else, they usually pick on just one or two very, very small negative things about that person's character and blow it way out of proportion. And the same is true with this person. It's, it's true, it's only two hairs on the entire body that have, um, that are white. And any, you know, a person should normally just be able to ignore those two hairs. Those are irrelevant. But perhaps those two hairs are sufficient to cause saras because, you know, just, just as, just like that person was willing to um, blow a very small thing about someone, a very small negative thing about someone else way out of proportion, so too just two hairs that are wrong, just two hairs that are white, um, those two hairs are all of a sudden going to, going to lead to that person having saras. So it's sort of, uh, um, an eye for an eye, if you will, that they, that the person that spoke evilly, that the person that spoke, you know, and, um, gossiped about someone else, they picked on a very, very small bad thing and blew it out of proportion. So too, those two white hairs are going to be blown totally out of proportion and cause that person to have saras. Um, okay, so moving on in the Parsha. So the Parsha talks quite often um, about the fact that a Kohen has to be the one that diagnoses um, whether a person has Saras or not. And what's fascinating is why is it that a Kohen has to diagnose this? You know, you should be able to have doctors, you should be able to have whatever, who, whoever can notice whether there are two white hairs on the person. They should be a sufficient, um, you know, uh, doctor to be able to diagnose this disease. Why is it that, that the Kohen, only the Kohen has to do it? Perhaps, you know, reason is because Aaron, Aaron Kohen, the, the first Kohen, um, he was someone that was, he was a master of settling disputes between people. He was someone that was able to, um, to, to be able to, you know, mend relationships between husband and wife, mend relationships between brothers. And perhaps it takes specifically that person that's able to diagnose um, someone that speaks evil talk. And it takes someone, you know, it, I think it's important also to realize that someone that, that um, it, it's possible to gossip about someone gossiping. You know, it's possible to say, oh, they're, they're a gossip. They're someone, you know, that always speaks Lush and Hora. And that in itself is a, is a form of gossip, gossiping about other people that speak gossip. So it's important that you have someone like Aaron, someone that was this, you know, someone that loved everyone, someone that was this master of settling disputes. Um, it's important that you have this person to be able to, you know, when, you, when you're a judge, when you're looking, when you're making a ruling, it's important that even if you have someone that Come, that comes to you and is clearly, you know, a bad person, so to speak, is, some, is someone that clearly spoke Lashon Hora and now has Saras, it's important that, you know, that person's still being treated fairly, still being treated with the utmost respect. So that's perhaps one of the reasons that the highest person in the land, the, the Kohen, the, um, the, uh, 
um, the, 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 the Kohen has to deal and has to be the one that decides whether there is, uh, it's Saras, it's the priest, it's the Kohen that has to make that decision precisely because these are kind of the, like the lowest people with Saras are sort of like the lowest people in society, the people that are always gossiping. And, but even those people should be treated with a certain respect. Even those people, um, should have the dignity of having their, their ailments, um, inspected by the priest of the land, by Arona Cohen. So moving on, um, you know, there's a very fascinating uh, rule the Torah gives about Saras. It says that the Torah says that um, a person has to, uh, a person had Saras, you know, if they are partially covered with these white hairs. On the other hand, if they are totally covered, if they're totally covered in white from head to toe, then they're pure. So how is it then that a person that's completely covered with saras is pure? You know, it should be exactly the opposite. A person that's completely covered is the most impure. So how is it that Torah says a person totally covered with saras is pure? And, you know, I think a reason here is because, um, as I spoke about, that, that Lashon Hora is the reason for causing um, saras. And, you know, Lashon Hora that is 100% false, that there's not an ounce of truth to it, that is, quote-unquote, covered from head to toe in falsehood, that won't be able to stand. And so, so too, this person that's completely covered in Saras, they're so, uh, you know, um, they're, they're, so, they're just completely blanketed in falsehood that it can't stand. That, you know, if you tell, if a person tells a lie and there's not a single thing that's true about it, then uh, there's absolutely no way that anyone will believe it. It won't, it won't have legs, so to speak. It won't be able to stand. Um, a complete falsehood, sheker, you know, falsehood, uh, sheker that is complete, that there's no ounce of truth. There's no truth whatsoever. It's totally covered head to toe. That won't be able to stand. So perhaps that's the reason that a person that's totally covered in saras, they're actually pure because they're so covered that they're so full of falsehood that it won't, it won't be sustainable, that nobody will believe them. You know, it takes a little bit of truth um, for a lie to really have legs. So moving on. Um, so if, this is very fascinating. A person that has saras has to call out that they're impure. They have to say, tame, tame, yikra, that they, tame, tame, they call out, and tame being impure. So they, they have to call themselves out to say that they're impure. And, you know, I think maybe a reason why the person has to, a person with, with saras has to announce that so publicly that they're tame is because they were someone that was constantly spreading lies, was, was constantly spreading, you know, not lies, but, but negative, negative things about other people, um, was spreading lush and horror, was spreading gossip about others. So it's fitting that they have to say, tame, tame. They, they themselves now have to announce to the world that they themselves are impure. And it's not for the, for the reason that you think. It's not because this is some kind of revenge. It's not an eye for an eye type of thing that they have to say, that they're tummy. In fact, it's because a person that hears, um, you know, that a, a person that hears something bad about somebody else, they can react to it in two different ways. One way, the first 
way and the bad way that they can react to bad news about someone is by spreading it as a rumor, by telling, you know, did you hear what this person did? By spreading it as a rumor to everyone else. That's the negative way. That's the lush and horror way of hearing something bad and spreading it. There's a second way, though, that a person can react to hearing something bad about someone, and that is by praying for them. And the Torah says, uh, or the commentaries say that the, one of the reasons why, um, why this person with Tsaras has to call, call themselves out publicly that they're impure is because people will hear this message that they're impure and start praying for them and feel compassion for them. Um, and, uh, and, you know, it should teach the, the person, the Mitsura, the, the person with Tsaras, that it should teach that person that the next time they hear bad news about someone, instead of spreading it as gossip, instead they should pray for them. And again, there's, there's those two ways that we can react to hearing, to having knowledge um, about that something negative happened to someone or something, or someone did something bad. We can either spread it as a rumor, that's not good, or we can pray for them, or we can feel a certain amount of compassion for them. And that's perhaps why the, the Mitsura, the person with Taras, has to call out that they're Tame publicly. So they can acknowledge that the correct way to deal with bad news is not to spread it as a rumor, but in fact to, um, to pray for them. Okay, so moving on to um, some other ideas here. The, the way to cure Tsaras is by isolating, by quarantine. And I think, you know, we're all very familiar uh, with quarantine nowadays, with isolation. We've had, you know, over a year now of um, the coronavirus. And, the you know, the reason that this, this person with Tsaras is quarantined is because then they won't be able to spread gossip when they're quarantined. They won't be able to spread Lush and Hora. And um, it's important for us to recognize that, you know, during this year, uh, have, have there been times, and, you know, the, I'm sure there will be times in the future, when, uh, when we have this opportunity to be kind of alone, we have this opportunity to be a little bit slower to gossip. We have, um, we, we have uh, um, more of a chance to make sure that when we're totally by ourselves, it's easier to watch our tongue because there's nobody to talk to. <laughs> so uh, it, it's a little bit easier to, you know, when, when you're by yourself, when you're quarantined, to recognize one of those times when I would have said, spoke ill about somebody, but um, I held my tongue because I was quarantined because there was nobody to tell. And, you know, I think that's an important lesson that that there's two ways to kind of to address, to, to um to be able to, to stop yourself from a bad habit. One way is by just trying to, out of sheer willpower, trying to stop yourself, which is very, very difficult to do. And very few, if any, people are successful from stopping themselves out of willpower. But there's a second, more, much more effective way to change your behavior, and that is by totally changing your environment. And that is essentially why this person, this, this Mitsura, the person with Saras, has to separate themselves because they have to change their environment. So there's, even if they wanted to, there's no chance, there's no opportunity to gossip. And again, we have that ability right now during the coronavirus that we're isolated. And we have that opportunity to think before we speak. And even if we want to speak Lashon Hora, we don't even have an outlet to speak it. So uh, important to, to be able to really take advantage of this time um, and recognize that you know before we speak Lashon Hora, 
that we're isolated now or in quarantine and we should be careful uh, before we speak negatively about others. Moving on in the Parsha, um, so as I spoke about before that, you know, the, the Kohen has to be the one that decides um, when they, you know, that uh, a Kohen has to be the one that decides uh, when there's, when the, a person has Saras. But what's fascinating is the Kohen is not allowed to judge for themselves when they have Tsaras. And um, so per- perhaps a reason is because a person can't be a fair judge for themselves. A person automatically thinks that they were in the, where they were in the right, that they did right. So, you know, what, what are those times kind of in our lives that we have to recognize that we need a judge outside of ourselves? We need a third party to really look at us and address where we've been going wrong and, and how we can improve ourselves. So along with similar lines, um, Saras is a very unusual disease that not only spreads on the person's skin, but also can spread to their clothes and even on their house. So one of the reasons it can spread on a person's house um, is because they won't let others borrow their things. So if, if a person is kind of a stingy, with what they have, and they won't allow other people to borrow it, then this saras comes on their house. And the Torah says that when saras is on your house, you have to take everything outside of your house. You have to remove every piece of furniture and and um, vessel, whatever it happens to be, anything that's inside your house, you have to remove it to outside of your house. And the one of the ideas being that when you take everything outside your house, you'll realize just how much you'll have. You you will you know sometimes when things are in our house or when things are within us, we have a very we have a lot of trouble judging fairly. Again, like that Cohen, the the Cohen is not allowed to judge himself because he it's impossible to judge something that's within you. Uh, you can't judge it fairly. The only way to really be able to judge yourself fairly is by removing it. And that's what this person had to do. They had to take everything out of their house to really realize just how much they have. And, you know, I think it's an important lesson for us that whenever we're feeling like we don't have enough for whatever reason, it's a good lesson to be able to kind of actually count all those things that we have to sort of take everything out of our house, so to speak, um, to, to remove those things, to look at them from a different perspective, to have a third party look at our lives and realize just how much we have to look at ourselves from kind of an outside perspective. And sometimes the only way we can really understand just how much we have is by removing everything from our house. And again, I said the reason that the house had Saras in the first place is because they wouldn't let other people borrow. And But once you are able to remove everything from your house, you'll realize just how much you have. And it's so plentiful that you'll easily be able to allow others uh, to borrow from it. Um, now, and you know, it, it, there's an interesting um, line here that uh, we say to the that to, when a person has saras on their house, they say to the Kohen, um, "Kenega nira liba bait," that there's something like an affliction, but you know, if the this saras looked very very unusual, so if there was some kind of crazy thing that just randomly appeared on your house, it's, it's pretty obvious that you would know that it's Saras. So why do you have to, why does this person have to say it's something like Saras? It's k k nega. It's, it's like a, it's like an affliction. 
you, if the person knows that if they have saras on their house, they know that it's saras. There's no question. But um, they say that it's important that you have a certain amount of humility, that you should never be too sure of yourself. And even if you're so, even if it's something as obvious as seeing saras on your, on your house and knowing it's saras, it's still important that we're not sure, that we say it in a way that leaves a little bit of room for us to say, oh, we might have been wrong. And that's why it has to be something like an, something like an affliction. But we, we can't be too sure of ourselves to say it actually is saras on the house. And it's an important lesson just in self-improvement that we have to be a little bit more used to being able to, to, to admit that we don't know, that to admit that we're not always sure. And by admitting that, we'll be able to, to move forward. So the last point in the Parsha um, is that in order to atone for Tsaras, one of the things that a person has to bring is a Korban Asham. And this was traditionally given, this, um, this sacrifice was traditionally given when a person would take something from the Beit HaMikdash, which was holy, and use it in a, and profane it, use it in a general way. Um, so again, it's, it's taking something holy and using it regularly, which is not allowed. And in order to atone for that, you have to bring a Korban Asham. So why is that the appropriate, um, the appropriate uh, uh, cure for, for bringing, for, for having Tsaras? So perhaps a reason is because human beings are known as speaking beings. That's what makes humans human, is the fact that we speak. Um, we're, we're people of language and, you know, and, and speech has tremendous amount of, uh, potential. The sp- speech, like uh, the world was created, Hashem created the world with, with words, with speech. And similarly, human beings are speaking beings. Um, and we have tremendous opportunity to lift people up, um, and to do great things with our words. So, so speech is, in a certain way, it's holy. It's like from the Beit HaMikdash. It's, it's uh, sanctified. It's kadosh. Yet, we, we, um, you, you, it's, it's also possible to profane language. And when language is used uh, with, when, when language is spoken in a way that there's Lashon Hora, in a way that there's actually evil speech, that is like it's profaning. It's, it's making what was holy, what had the opportunity to be holy, the mouth, the words, and using it in a way that is um, that is totally unholy, and that's perhaps why the person had to bring the korban asham. It was similar to the person taking something from the beta mikdash that was holy and using it in an unholy way. So too, when we use when we use our mouth, when we use our words, we should know that while words have potential to tear people apart and words have the potential to be spoke, you know, to speak in Lashon Hora, it's also important that we recognize that um, words also have the opportunity to do great things and to be holy. And um, we, we, you know, we have the choice with our words what we're going to do with them. And uh, we should use them for, for only good things. Now, um, moving on to recap some of the different points that I talked about. Um, so again, I, I spoke about how the Parsha only now, um, the Torah only now begins by talking about um, the purity and impurity of human beings. But you would have thought that it would started with that and not started with animals. But I said, it's important that we have a little bit of a dose of humility, that animals were created before us, 
And in the grand scheme of things, we're just human beings, and especially Am Yisrael, you know, the, the Jewish people are just a little speck in the entire world. And it's important we recognize that animals, they actually are so much bigger than us. They do come first. We have, you know, unbelievable potential. Um, but it's important that we recognize that, that animals, you know, they were here before us. And uh, it's a little bit of a dose of humility when, if we're, you know, feeling too high and mighty about ourselves, that animals came before us. Um, I also talked about the fact that human life starts impure, that, that uh, when a Jewish woman gives birth, um, she's tame, she's impure, and likewise, the, you know, um, a boy is born uncircumcised, a uh, person doesn't even have their yitzer tov, a person doesn't even have their, their, good, uh, their good inclination until they're 13 years old at their bar mitzvah, and the message with all of this is that great things take a lot of work, and in fact, it's perhaps precisely because um, human life starts out a little bit impure, that we're able to achieve such great heights. You know, when we want to take a jump, you first have to squat down in order to get the maximum amount of height. And so too, Jewish life starts, uh, the human life starts in a certain level of impurity, in a certain level of tumah. And you're, you're born uncircumcised, you're born um, without a Yetzir Tov until your 13th year of life. And all that is because we're born not totally perfect, and we have, and it's precisely because of that, um, that kind of that rough beginning that we're able to even excel more than we would otherwise. So moving on to some of the other ideas I talked about, uh, this partial deals a lot with saras, with this spiritual disease. And I mentioned that there, the person is called an adam, which is an honorable name for a person. And the reason they're called an Adam, even though they have Tsaras, is because they're already working on fixing themselves. They're, when, the mention, when the Torah mentions a person with Tsaras, it mentions that they're already going to the Kohen to look for how to cure their, their illness. And that's what we should be doing. That regardless of, you know, those skeletons in our closet, so to speak, when we're working for a noble cause, when we're working to fix ourselves, um, that's honorable automatically. Um, so... I also um, spoke about how, uh, why we don't get Saras today. And I said, it's like, a sta- you know, we, the, the people living in the times of the Torah were, it's like they were wearing a tuxedo, a spiritual tuxedo. They were at such high exalted levels of spiritual uh, being that even the slightest mark was looked negatively uh, and, and, and caused this disease. But now it's like we're wearing spiritual sweatpants. Now it's like we're wearing you know, we're not at the same spiritual level, and speaking Lashon Hora doesn't have that same effect. And as I said, Rabbi Akiva's students, they, uh, 24,000 students died from not, te- not treating each other with respect. And I said, even though that would never happen today, in his time, in Rabbi Akiva's time, they were at such levels of spiritual heights that uh, even not treating each other with respect was able to, to knock them all down. Um, so I also spoke about how it's very unusual that the sign for Saras is that a person turns white, that their hair turns white, because I said white was like what you wore on Yom Kippur. White is a sign of perfection, of newness, of purity. So why is that the color that's chosen? So I gave two reasons. The first being that a person thinks they're better than everyone else when they're speaking Lashon Hora. They, they think that, you know, when you speak Lashon Hora, you say they're, they're bad and I'm better than them. 
So you turn white to show that you're better than them in a certain way. Um, and that's why that, that color white is there. The second reason I gave was because when you speak negatively about someone, it can cause them to be extremely embarrassed. And when a person's very embarrassed, it's like they turn white. All the blood drains out of their face and they turn totally white. And um, so too, this is kind of a punishment for that, that if you're making someone else turn white with embarrassment, so too you're also going to turn white. Um, and that's going to be the sign of Tsaras. So interestingly, I spoke about how Rashi says you only need two hairs to turn white to be an indication that you have Tsaras. And I said, why is it that just two hairs is sufficient? It should be that much more of your body has to have tsaras. And I said, that's because a person that um, speaks Lush and Hora turns one small thing about someone, one small negative thing about someone, and blows it way out of proportion. And so too, just those two small insignificant white hairs that should not really even matter, though, so too those can turn an entire person into uh, having tsaras. So we should be careful that we don't blow things out of proportion. That just because a small little thing is, is maybe a bad character trait of someone, let's not blow it out of proportion. Let's not make too much of it. And let's put it in its, our, in its proper place, um, which is very insignificant. You know, if we realize just how insignificant those problems were about a person, we would learn to appreciate them much more. Moving on, um, so I spoke about how um, the Kohen is the one that has to diagnose this disease because the, the, our own Kohen, the first Kohen, he was a master of settling disputes. And um, it's important that we recognize that when you're a master of settling disputes, you're the proper person for making judgments because you shouldn't be too judgmental, so to speak. Um, you should be a person that loves everyone else, that's, that's constantly looking for ways to settle disputes. That's the proper judge. Um, I also spoke about how a Kohen, even though they're the ones that judge for everyone else, they cannot judge for themselves. And I said the reason is, is because we're very bad judges of ourselves. We give ourselves a lot of slack, a lot more slack than we would everybody else. So it's important sometimes that we have a third party addressing who we are and, um, and where we can improve. So I also spoke, spoke about how a person that has their entire body covered in saras, they're actually pure. And even though that seems totally uh, incomprehensible, how is it that someone that's totally covered in saras, how is it that they're pure? I spoke about how someone that speaks complete falsehood, someone that is totally not true, has no, a lie that has no ounce of truth to it, cannot stand. And that's perhaps why a person that's totally covered in saras, that's totally covered in this um, spiritual malady, it's like they're so false that they can't even stand, that, uh, that, that, when, you know, in order to tell a lie, it has to have some element of truth to it. That's the only way that it can stand. But pure falsehood, um, it can't stand by itself. I also spoke about how a person has to announce that they're tummy. A person, um, a mitsora, a person that is tummy, has to announce that they're tummy, tummy. Has to announce twice that they're impure. And I said there's two ways to react to, to bad news about someone. When you hear a person announce that they're tummy, tummy, you have two options. You can either spread rumors about them and tell everybody that, you know, do you hear that this person's tummy? Or you can take the opposite approach and pray for them and feel compassion for them and do what you can to help them. And that's why perhaps that person that speaks Lush and Hora and gets Saras has to realize that the next time they come across 
you know, bad news about someone, instead of spreading rumors, they should actually feel compassion for them uh, and pray for them. Now, I also spoke about how the cure for Tsaras is by isolating, by quarantine. And I said, you know, this year we've spent an entire year of quarantine, and maybe it's an opportunity to realize that the only way to really change a bad habit is by totally changing our situation. And, you know, before we might have been speaking Lashon Hora because we had the platform to do so. But when a person's quarantined, they have nobody to talk with. Um, they have nobody to, to gossip with. And, you know, this year has really been an opportunity for us to make sure that we're um, recognizing what we're saying and we're a little bit slower and hopefully we stop uh, speaking negatively about others. Now, um, moving on to some of the other ideas I talked about, I said when Saras is on a person's house, um, one of the reasons it would be on their house is because they wouldn't let people borrow their things. And, and I said that uh, one of the cure for Saras being on the house is that you have to take everything out of your house. And I said per- perhaps a reason why uh, you have to take everything out of your house, why that's the cure for Saras being on your house, is because when you realize just how much you, ha- you, you, you can only realize just how much you have when you remove it, when you take it out of your house. When everything's in your house, you feel like you, you might have nothing. But when you take it all out, you realize just how much you have, and you'll be much more willing to um, allow people to borrow things. And sometimes it's important that, you know, when we're feeling down, when we're feeling like we don't have enough, <clears throat> it's important that we kind of look uh, we remove things, we, we take things out of our house, we look at things from a third party, the way a third party would look at things, and then we'll be able to realize just how much we truly have. Moving on to the last point that I talked about, um, a person, in order to cure themselves from Tsaras, has to bring a korban asham, which I said was a sacrifice that was brought for profaning the holy, for taking what was in the Beit Migdash, taking something holy, and using it for a general purpose. And I said, so too, with the human mouth is capable of doing unbelievable things. Um, you know, God created the entire world with words. That words and the mouth has the truly has the opportunity to be holy. Yet it was spoken. It was used in a way that was um, was lush and hora. And the those that mouth, those words were profaned. Those words were used in a way um, that were not holy with lush and hora. So it's important that a korban asham is brought to remind us that our words, while it's true they can be used for Lush and Hora, they can also be used to accomplish great things. So with that, I'll read the poem again. Speech can be used for good or for evil. It has the power to connect or cause social upheaval. We have lots of potential, but we are not born perfect. Quarantine gives a person needed time to reflect. And with that, l'chaim l'chaim.